This is Kessler Crane, and you're listening to the Tour Junkies podcast. What's going on, golf addicts? What a conversation we had with Kessler Corain. We talk about his very first Live Golf caddy experience at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland. He unveils plans that Live Golf has for the future that even I hadn't heard yet. He talks about PGA Tour caddies hitting him up looking for openings at Live. All kind of good discussion around Live Golf. We talk about a behind-the-scenes look at Hazeltine in 2016 when Patrick Reed squared off against Rory McIlroy. If you don't know, Kessler Corain is Patrick Reed's caddy and brother-in-law, has been for years. Great stories from Hazeltine. We talk about Kessler allegedly punching a fan at the President's Cup in Australia. And then, honestly, I ask him some hard questions about Patrick Reed, about his polarizing you know, personality and persona and, and the way people perceive Patrick Reed. We have a good conversation. Kessler was extremely kind, both when I met him a few months ago at the Masters and, and leading up to this interview and during the interview. Great dude. Um, and, and honestly, uh, it was a very candid conversation. He took some difficult questions and I felt like really did a great job. If you enjoyed this interview, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Uh, give it five stars, write a little something nice about it. And the best thing you can do is copy the link and share it with a friend. Tell a friend, tell a buddy, tell a family member that enjoys golf, that follows the PGA Tour to listen to this, to check this out. Kessler doesn't go on a whole lot of podcasts, so it was really great to have him here on this one. So share it and rate and review the podcast. But for now, enjoy the conversation with Kessler Corain. All right, Kessler, so... Really happy to have you on. First of all, I see you've got your Four Aces t-shirt on. I see you got that. That's that's appropriate. Very appropriate. Did you see my shirt? Did you see my t-shirt? I couldn't quite see your t-shirt, but <laughs> another very appropriate shirt right there. If you can see, I have uh, some memorabilia from that week up top right there. It's I a Hazel team like wine with all the player signatures. But yeah, I love that shirt. Um, I think we talked about it on the range that one day. I definitely need to get one. I know there's one laying around somewhere, but it's definitely lost it in the mix. But probably oh. one of my favorite t-shirts made as far as Ryder Cup stuff goes. I would say the same for us, and thank you for saying that. Um, listen, I, you know, I don't really feel like you're a guy who's done a whole lot of podcasts and media and all this stuff. So I think, first of all, like, let's just start. I want to hear a little bit more about you personally, about uh, your background in golf. You are definitely a golf junkie because i mean we met on the range at champions retreat masters week and we were both on the range grinding like you know i see kessler like getting in positions and he's got alignment rods and he's out there grinding and then you look at this room he's in he's got swag golf apparel and head covers everywhere like you're a golf nerd so i want to hear about the background in golf and then just like how you got into caddying in general yeah so um you're absolutely accurate in your statement about be, me being um, a golf nerd and being obsessed. Uh, I definitely got bit by the bug and now I'm just, I got the sickness. Uh, so yeah, all day, every day, think about it. You know, I've literally sit on a golf course, probably, you know, caddy and working all day. And then the first thing, like you said, saw me after that grinding on the golf course, working on my game. Dang. So my college graduation in 2011 of December is when I first met Patrick. So, uh, I remember it's like, you know, it's my big day graduating college. Um, if you knew me, you 
from my past, you'd probably be like, man, Kessler's graduating college. <laughs> Didn't see that one. Didn't see that one coming. So I met Patrick at my college graduation. Um, didn't really, you know, it's like my big day and my sister's bringing some boyfriend. I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I don't care. I don't care who he is. And, you know, and I really didn't know who he was. And honestly, looking back, I was like, man, how ignorant was I? I mean, this guy just crushed it in NCAAs. He's going pro, tons of talent. And, uh, you know, but, but you know, cool. but here he is he, cock, cock blocking your big day, like day one. Yeah. He's totally stealing my thunder. You over guys here. have come so far. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so you know we had a good time and honestly like i was shooting a lot of pool at that point in time and uh oh. so after call after you know that's what i did i i bowled and on wednesdays oh uh, and then i you know i had a bowling league night and then i shot pool with my buddy matt a bunch of times like pretty much every weekend so i thought i could play pool pretty well and then so you know actually i was like well patrick just you know everyone let's after the graduation let's go shoot some pool and have some fun i think man i'm gonna run the table on this guy and he absolutely smoked myself and my buddy uh, on the pool table so i go all right he's cool by me you know yeah i got i had some respect for that and then um was this like a was this like an anchorman moment when you asked him to play and he's like Oh, I mean, I really don't, I really don't play any pool. And then he like whips out the pool cue out yeah, of his sleeve. You know what? Starts putting it together. As, as much of like a golf nerd he is. And as much as he's like, as far as just when it comes to his equipment, how anal he is about that stuff. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in that moment if that's how it played out, but no, he just took whatever was off the wall. <laughs> it it you kicked know. your ass. Yeah. Just like how he could probably make putts with a tire iron. Like, yeah, yeah this will do. And, output just about anybody um but um so yeah fast forward a little bit more i was working medical advice sales uh doing the thing that most people do after college and he was you know getting his professional career going uh my sister was caddying for him they just had like you know their first win together and not long after that i want to say yeah so 2013 of november i get a call and he, she's pregnant and he goes, I need a new caddy. What do you think? And given, I'm like, dude, I don't really know. I played golf at that point through college. I probably would play golf one time a year. Cause it was just, it's an expensive hobby. It really is. Even yeah. when, especially yeah. for a college student, yeah. I didn't really know anyone who played, but he goes, no, nah, come on. You'll come out in like all of December. I'll show you everything you need to know. You'll basically caddy for me at my home course for a whole month. And you'll just kind of get a feel for it. And then you'll be good to go. And so therefore I looked at my buddy right next to me and I was like, what do you think? And he was like, what do you mean? What do you think? He's like, go get out of here. You know, you're, you're working medical advice. Like this job's going to be here, you know, when you get back. Cause yeah. it was only supposed to be like a six to nine month, like temporary deal. And, uh, and then sure enough, here I am like nine years later, uh, still caddying for him. So it was a pretty funny moment. My boss at the time, when I turned in my two weeks, thought like when I told him, he thought I was going to a competitor company. And I said, no, I'm going to go caddy. And just very nonchalantly. And he was like, like at a club. And I go, no, like on the PGA tour, which looking back is like one of the craziest things yeah. to ever say, because it's literally like saying like someone with no experience is like, yeah, I'm going professional. Yeah. Like I'm literally skipping all the prerequisites <laughs> for this and just going straight to the top yeah and then sure enough you know maui was my first tournament caddying which if anyone's ever walked that walk, course yeah it is by far the hardest week walk of the year almost every year every now and then a u.s open might have come close to it but for the most part with the wind 
and the hills, it is just gnarly. So that was my first week. And I remember my feet like just being totally demolished. Uh, and then the second week we end up winning together. So my second week on the bag, we catch a win. Uh, and I'm thinking this is the easiest job ever. And every- he literally shot, he shot 63, 63, 63. So I just had to sit there and do nothing but carry a bag and watch this guy play golf. And every caddy out there effing hated you. Like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they did. They're you're like, like the smoking guy. hot chick who comes in mid year and steals everybody's boyfriend. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, that's definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, no experience. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think at one point my friends were watching the TV and they go, yeah, he walks up to you. He pulls out the, he pull, you don't even pull out your yardage book, Kessler. He pulls out yardage book. He goes, listen, we got yeah. 195 yeah. into the wind. I'm thinking, Get you your, know, a nice six, a nice six iron. And they go, and all you say is, yep, yes, sounds good. Yeah. And that is exactly how that went down. Get your towel ready to wipe off the club face and be done. That's yeah. That's, that's that was literally the job. Like, Hey, be cool. Have some good conversation. Make sure the clubs are clean. Uh, and you know, you don't have to worry about rain there. So that was definitely, but that first year was de- like a crash course. So, I mean, that's quite the interesting, like landmark, uh, you know, experience for you to, to your first event caddying your, you're in Maui and, and you had a recent landmark experience in your career as well as Patrick's in caddying at your very first live golf event in Portland at pumpkin Ridge. I am dying to hear about this. I've been excited to hear from you. Uh, this week, that's probably why I've bugged you to death on this. I want to hear yeah, about your experience as a caddy at Live. All right, before we hear about the Live Golf experience at Pumpkin Ridge, I do want to invite everybody to join the Nut Hut. The Nut Hut is our private Discord server where we just—it's such a great community. Over 700 members have joined the Nut Hut. If you bet on golf or you play DFS golf or really any sport for that matter. We're dishing out, you know, tons of insight. There's tons of community, sharp players in the nut hut for NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, UFC. It's not just golf. It's everything. It's primarily golf, but you can get in there and get involved with any sport. It's $10 a month or $90 a year. If you've already got a Discord account, it's easy to hop into. Just click the link in the description below to join the nut hut. Check out our website, tourjunkies.com slash nuthut. It'll give you all the details. You can try it out for a month, 10 bucks, risk-free. If you want to get out and cancel, it's easy to do so. No questions asked. It is the best community uh, out there in terms of golf betting, DFS. It's where me and Pat do our live Wednesday night chats before every golf tournament. It's where all of our caddy insight, caddy knowledge gets put into. We have uh, PGA Tour caddy John Rathouse dropping nuggets in there every single week about how the golf course is going to play, what he's hearing and seeing from on-site at every PGA Tour and now Live Golf Tour event. So check it out. Nut Hut Discord server. Link in the description. 10 bucks a month. You won't regret it. Just give it a shot. All right, let's get back to Kessler Corrine. So as a, as a caddy, there's a lot, there was a lot of things going into it, but uh, obviously it's first class all the way. So um, I feel like you feel treated as far as like being a team member. I do feel like I'm part, like I'm wearing the aces. I feel like I'm an integral part of the aces. Whereas maybe before you're just, you're a caddy to this person. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to where I've been caddying for the same person my entire career so far, almost 10 years. And so I, him and I have always felt like a team. 
Um, yeah. But then it's cool to be part of like you walk in this door and you see basically six other guys and, you know, given there's still the individual aspect to it, yeah. but also we have a common goal together. So it's just like the camaraderie is there and I'm a big team sport guy. Like I grew up playing, you know, in Texas, you grow up, like you turn eight, they're like, you're, you're playing football. Yeah. This is what's happening. Yeah. So there's no, like, it's just the process. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, it's a, it's an individual sport. And up until now they've been the A player on their own team, their entire career, unless they made a team event, but still. And now I feel like this, that's what also can kind of sharpen some of their edges too, because now it's like, there is an A guy, there is a B guy, there is a C guy, and there is a D guy, uh, you know, out there each week, week in, week out. And I don't think any of them want to be the D guy that doesn't contribute. So, I mean, there's definitely been talk about the team aspect at live, right? Like people are questioning how, you know, how, how really into the team thing are most of those guys? Honestly, my, my, my perception of you and Patrick, and I think most people would agree, I mean, being the Ryder Cup guy that he, that he has been for so long, like, I, I feel like it's probably pretty natural for you guys to feel a team element, but, but in general, like, not just, not you and Patrick included, but like, as you look out, do you really feel like all those guys are truly vibing for that team you know on that team spot and they really 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 care that much i mean i think it's just another layer a layer to the onion yeah um so to speak that just as cool as far as a spectator goes is that there's more going on than just one guy winning a golf tournament yep uh and and to and that's part of the as far as a caddy experience goes like and all the tournaments i've ever been to I've never seen so many players and caddies go out to the 18th, except for a team event or something like that. But, or the masters, you'll see a lot of guys bringing dudes in on 18, but I've never seen so many players and caddies go up to the 18th green. Cause we're bringing in DJ and Austin as the aces. And we know that, you know, we won this team, the team aspect by a mile or not a mile, but a good amount. Like it was locked up. Yeah. DJ could have, yeah. you know, I mean, he would have had to put quite a few putts on there yeah. to uh, mess it up for us. But um, so, you know, you have us in there and then you have Carlos or you have Carlos Ortiz's team uh, in there watching him because they're about to go in. They could, they're, they're tied for third place, which the top one, two, and three is where the money's at yep. for the team aspect. Yep. So the, you know, his team is basically sitting there thinking, well, you know, if he makes a birdie here, we clip, we clip the torque by one. And we're, we get third, you know, we get third place as a team, which is awesome. And then if not, we have to go into a playoff for third place. So each captain has to pick one player to go in a playoff for oh, the team to that. get third place, which that, so these guys are over here waiting because they're about to have a meet possible meeting. And he has like a 30 footer on 18 too. It's not, or, you know, it's not like a gimme by any means. And then you have Brendan Grace's team, the strikers over there bringing him in. Cause he's about to win the whole tournament. So you have literally like three teams sitting on 18 green, hmm. bringing all and everyone's excited. And then Carlos Ortiz makes this bomb of a putt to clip the torque by one, their third place, no playoff. Now, mm-hmm. given it would have been exciting to see the playoff yeah. go, go, but I'm sure we will see yeah. one at yeah. some point. And as far as the team, what I like is, is that going in, it's, you know, 14 week, 14 week season, right? 
Well, you're all playing. The team aspect is you're all playing for that first round buy. So I think the top two teams, if I'm correct, get a first round buy. So if we're number one and let's say strikers are number two, we don't, you know, just like kind of football. Yeah. You know, those, those guys are playing for that. They want that bye week just as bad as anyone. And, um, and that's, that's where I think it's going to come into play. I think the, the team aspect will really be a cool, cool part coming to the, the finale of the final week. Cause it's all match play based. There's no, it's not stroke. So, oh, and there is a cool. captain and yeah. So you have 14 teams at the last week duking it out for, you know, obviously first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, or not 14, 12 teams or. So that's that you've, you've already, you know, given me a lot more information about it than I knew. And I, and I'm following this crap pretty closely, uh, on the team thing. Like it's rumored that, you know, like Adidas, I saw something was looking at it. AT&T, I read something. I mean, it makes a lot of sense if you're live that once these, these rosters are kind of finalized and it's, I don't think it's going to happen this year. But it seems like Liv, they, they bumped up, if I remember correctly, they bumped up their timeline. Uh, so basically for the next season, they're doing what they planned on doing for two seasons from now. And so it makes a lot of sense for them to consider selling off these teams, just like we see in soccer and we see in other, other sports. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Are you any rumors flying around Team Aces? I mean, as far as my, my experience, I mean, I'm a caddy at the end of the day. so. As far as the information goes, I know that that's a possibility that, you know, just like everyone, I don't watch the, uh, was it the F1 mm-hmm. drive to survive? I've never yeah. watched that and I should because everyone talks about how great it is. And I know that that's kind of a similar thing that they're going for. Uh, but yeah, obviously if, it, if there's a sponsor that wants to sponsor a team and these guys are golfers, I don't see why they wouldn't be like, Hey, AT&T wants to sponsor the aces cool like all the all the yeah. aces are going to be rocking the at&t logo yeah as well as the caddies or and whatnot so uh now who who would be interested in sponsoring us i have no idea yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be last to find out on that one they'll nah, be you, like you hey won't. by the way you're, uh, you're the so, brother-in-law man uh, you'll figure it out what what about yeah i mean but as far as the caddy experience goes it's cool to walk in the clubhouse and be like oh i belong here I can go here. I can do this. I can do that. That's what like, I want to ask you. you know, like, where even even just registration, like these guys, every now and then at certain tournaments, they get this money clip, and the money clip is kind of like their badge to walk around. And just even something so small is giving me a money clip that says "Live Golf Pumpkin Ridge" on it. I was like, this is awesome. And I have some money clips that it's similar situation from the Ryder Cups, and I love those money clips. And obviously, I'm a collector. Yeah, which you know, so collecting money clips now is something but i have those from Ryder cup like those like and i cherish those things and it's it's small and it might seem ins- insignificant to others but someone handing me that and be like oh you get a money clip this week and i'm like really this is cool and then going into the locker room and they go oh these physio guys like if you want to use them they're all all good for me as someone who one play is very active plays a lot of golf caddying which caddying just tears your yeah. body up yeah um, and, and you look at these older guys and that's, and I just see that. And that's my motivation to one, like stretch, get in the gym, do every, like do a lot of stuff to prevent any major surgeries in my life. Cause yep. there's a lot of caddies out there that got terrible knees, yep. terrible backs, you name it. So to have access to physio for me is huge. And I went there almost every day 
And whereas on the PGA tour, they have their physio van and it's like, yeah, that's for the players, players only. And as, and then also like, uh, the gym van that they have, that's for players and players only. Um, so it's cool to, to basically feel like I'm part of the team and I'm part of the tour, just like a player is part of the tour. So we, we talked to many caddies over the years. I think I told you that. We, and we got a lot of relationships with the caddies. We love the caddies. I was a caddy in college for a couple of years at Augusta National. I think I talked to you about that. Um, and I, I love hearing from the caddies. So that was what I wanted to ask you is like, where are those differences? Obviously, we see in the media the differences like, you know, they're paying for your travel and they're paying for your, your place where you're staying and you get meals. But like, it's interesting to hear those little access points because I knew that was in there somewhere because I, and I've been in the PGA tour traveling circus. I've been credentialed media in the PGA tour traveling circus and you see how they treat, you know, different levels of people. And I understand that's, that's how it has to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're managing on a, on a big scale yeah. of people. And so, you know, but if I were to say anything, it's like, well, caddies are, you know, to me, like a, a part of the team like i'm part of patrick's you are part team, of the team and 100%. so i want to you know but like i said pj tour is managing at a pretty big scale and i think that with the live tour having you know 48 guys uh it probably makes it more manageable in that aspect so i mean the pj tour if you know i can't say there's much more they can do with the resources that they have and you know it like i said i've never ran a golf tournament yeah. so <laughs> I don't want to criticize anyone because at the end of the day, just I, how could I do any better? I don't know. Yeah. How are the fans? I just know that how are the I just fans know important? going into week one of live was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a great time. Felt like, like I said, I felt part of the tournament. Um, and the fans were there. And I think that's where at the end of the day, it's like someone trying to say that there's not enough room in the world for uh, in the golf world for a live tour. I think that statement's very inaccurate because the whole week I sat there and I go, Portland hasn't seen golf in 20 years. Probably. I mean, uh, when was the last time they saw a golf tournament in Portland and it had to, I mean, had to been a while. Like so a therefore, USA amateur or something, wasn't it? When tiger played in the USA. Yeah. So, I mean, so therefore like there were plenty of fans there. And I think that just goes to show you that if you build it, they will come. Um, and I'm a big movie guy, so I might throw some movie clips out there, you know. Um, so that's my second. You know, I'm bilingual. I speak I speak pretty good English, um, but then my quote. second language is movie quotes. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Fluent in movie quotes. Nice. Uh, so um, yeah, and so therefore, I think there's plenty of markets out there, and there's plenty of places out there that just people just want to see good golf, and they want to see fun, like they want to have fun going out and watching tournaments. And at the end of the day, like there's you know going to like places like thailand um even you know seeing the tournament in in saudi and Jeddah from year one to now it's i've seen it so we went the first year and then the fourth year and from the first year to the fourth year you could just see it grow every year just a little bit more as far as how many people are there uh and then it just i think portland was awesome the fans were great they're having a good time um and there were there were plenty of people around, so I think that it's just going to keep growing. Have you talked to any caddies? Like, do do you know of any caddies that have said that are still on the PJ Tour for now, and with all everything going on, that have said they would not follow their guy 
uh, if he went to live. And do you think do you think that that players are considering the impact that this is going to have on their caddies in terms of their lifestyle, in terms of their finances, in terms of uh, their opportunities. Do you think players are considering that when they make the move to go to live based on everything that live is doing for those caddies and the money and all that? Do you think all that's coming into play? Uh, have you heard any other caddies talking about that? I mean, I've had a few caddies text me and say, Hey, if anything opens up, let me know. <laughs> um, <so> yeah. <laughs> um, as far as players uh, bring in their caddies, uh, I'm sure that they take, I'm sure these guys take everything into account before they make the jump or even if they're con- contemplating making the jump over. Uh, so, and as far as caddies go, I haven't heard any caddy tell me that they wouldn't go or that they wouldn't like to go. Um, and that's the problem with the media is that like everything I read, it, you would act, you would think that we can like at the, at the British open or the open um, and the U S open that, these guys are ready to go, you know, toe to toe with each other and just, they hate each other's guts. And it's just like, you know, everyone says, Hey, what's up? Like as far, especially with caddies, like my hardest thing was like us open and especially us open. I was sitting there like kind of saying bye to the guys. Like, I don't know when I'm going to see you next. Yes. Yeah. Like, Cause you got I have a lot of good. Yeah. yeah. You have a lot of good friends out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, even Mike Collins, who's one of my best friends out there, like, He's, he's, you know, he follows BJ tour. He felt, you know, he's ESPN. So yeah. I like had to give him a big hug. Like, I mean, I was, I know I'm going to see you, but now yeah. it's almost like I'm gonna have to come to Florida to see you, bro. Yeah. Uh, and you know, cause unless I see you at a major, um, and he wasn't at the open and yeah. I knew that. So when I saw him US open and then just other caddies, like that's, that's the hardest part about, you know, making the transition is that, you know, you're not going to see some of these people and we're, tra- you know, traveling circus for nine years. Yep. So that's, that's one thing, but that's life. How did the conversation go when, uh, when Patrick came to you about live? I mean, I was totally supportive of it. I think that it was a form. I think it's a format that Patrick will thrive in. Um, and that's, that's another thing, like just to change the scenery, see something new, be a part of, I mean, that I think he was happy to go and I was happy to go with him. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I'm not that everything before that was bad. It's just different. And that's part of life. Like you make, you make different decisions, you take different paths and you come to forks in the road and that's just how it goes. Do you, do you worry about anybody? Not because I mean, you probably don't worry about it with Patrick uh, because I mean, whether you like Patrick or not, you, you can't deny the dude is a very fierce competitor and he always has been like, there are some guys out there that, you could question at times how much they're competing. And, and my question to you is, and, and obviously I'm not asking for any names, but do you think that there are people out there now or that with a lot of money that come over are tempted to kind of mail it in? You know, Tiger talked about it at the Open Championship. You know, he said, how motivated could you be when you get paid all this money to dig it out of the dirt and grind, right? And Tiger was one of those, you know, highly competitive freaks that he didn't care how much the money was for or what was on the line. He was going to, he wanted to kill whoever was on the golf course with him and, and, and beat him. Do you think there are guys though out there that could be tempted to do that as a result? Um, I mean, 
there's so many different people and everyone's a little bit different. Uh, obviously tiger made a ton of money and he still stayed competitive. And just like yeah. anything else in life, like you, like I, I would follow a lot of UFC. I follow a lot of fighters. And I would say that sometimes those guys get a little too comfortable and then it comes up and bites you. And, and golf is a game that you'd never want to get too comfortable. Uh, so that's kind of, as far as Patrick goes, I don't think it matters how much money he has. That guy's will to win is unlike anyone anyone else I've ever watched. I mean, I've watched, you wouldn't know that he's grinding it out for T50. Yeah. You would think that he's about to win this tournament because it's the difference between T50 and T45. Um, so I don't think as far as golfers go, obviously there's certain ones that might mail it in. Uh, but I think that's where the team format kind of comes into play to keep keep that edge because no one wants to, like I play with my friends and that's why I started playing as much as I, I have been and trying to get better because I don't want to be the guy dragging my scramble team down. I don't want to be that D player. Yeah, yeah. And so when you have three other guys depending on you, you know, you can't mail it in like, Hey, so, like, uh, and if you do mail it in, eventually it's going to get old and yeah. somebody's going to say something. Yeah. And so this is where it's going to get interesting to me is to see how teams go because there will be, it will be like, there's going to be trades. There's going to be guys, Hey, like yeah. you're going over this team because obviously we're and that's where these conversations will be had. Well, Hey, you're not a good fit with us, but maybe you'll be a good fit with them over there. And they have a guy that's not a good fit with them. So maybe you'll come over here. And obviously it's still, it's still so new that it's hard to say how those things will play out. Um, or if that's how yeah. it's going to work. But, um, yeah, I think it, just like in any other sport, of course, there's going to be guys that mail it in. But that's the, it's like asking, like, you know, some of these guys that come out of college and sign these automatic huge deals in the first round draft pick. Like, oh, they are they some of them are some going to mail it in? Sure. Some of them probably will. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the cream is always going to rise to the top and the guys that are competitors are always going to keep competing. And no matter how much money is in the bank on the team aspect, does, is there a live pot for the caddies on those teams? Or do you guys just get a, your normal percentage from your player if they win? Uh, and that's a, pl that's a player, uh, caddy kind of agreement. Transaction. So, okay. yeah, but so. exactly. So that's, it's okay. not like live tour says, Oh, your team won. So this is how much you get. That's it's all, you know, it goes to the players and then from the players, it goes to us. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I think that is, I would imagine that if the team wins, obviously the caddies are yeah. going to get their fair share of it. Um, and like I said, that's just, it's still the same as far as caddies and players go. Um, it's not like the live tour has right. made anything official as far as like paying us as employees as well. Right. So how do you think this whole thing plays out? Like the dust settles, all of this you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that calms down. Maybe some stuff gets worked out. A lot of things might probably going to change after the tour championship. How do you predict professional golf will look in a few years? I'm no expert, but <laughs> I think I, if, if you were to ask me if live tour is going to still be around, you know, years to come, I absolutely think it will be because just even after seeing the first week, as I've said, if you build it, they will come. People want to watch it. People want to be there. People, you know, and at the end of the day, competition ends up being the best for the end user and the end consumer. So that competition is going to make the PGA Tour. I think all everyone's going to get better across the board. It's going to make the PGA Tour get better. It's going to make Live keep getting better. Um, 
European tour hopefully keeps getting better. And then therefore the audience and the consumers of what these products are, are just going to be the ones that went out at the end of the day, because there's going to be more golf. There's going to be more formats. There's going to be different things going on, different players and more room for people to play. So, uh, now, do they ever come together? I would, I'd hope so, just for the sake of golf. Um, but who knows? I, you know, that's that's the thing. It's just right now. It's so it's so early to say. Yeah, what could happen? Um, and that's I the- would like to me if if you're if you're on the live tour and you were a PGA tour player, and you know you fulfilled your obligations to them for ten years. And their requirements are, you know, hey, you have to play 15 events a year and make X amount of money each year to keep your card or or finish in the top 125 to keep your card. I feel like if you do that, then what's the problem? If you're working over here, too, and you're working for them and you and you do what your your minimum requirements are, it shouldn't be it should be allowed. But obviously, right now, everyone feels a little divided on that. And that's what I was that's what I was getting to is like, can can it can the game be in a good place if all these tours or if let's just say it's like live versus the world right whether it's dp and pj tour together or dp and pj tour independently like do do we think it can actually be a good thing for professional golf and us as the fans if they remain somewhat divided um as they are now or do we think the only way that we all win as fans is that the, they somehow come together or, or are willing to work together or, you know, step back on some of these restrictions? Do we think that's the only way? And, and, and do we see that coming? Uh, because I think personally, from a fan perspective, um, assuming Liv goes nowhere, right? Like assuming they're not going anywhere, they're here to stay, which I think is a safe assumption. I agree with you. Assuming that's the case, as a golf fan, it will suck for me to see you know, 10 of the 30 best players in the world over here and 10 of the 30 best players in the world or 20 best players over here. And the only time they play together is maybe the majors like that. That will suck for me as the fan. It, the, the players will have made their decisions and they're going to reap the benefits wherever they go or if they stay, it doesn't matter. But from a fan perspective, that really sucks. So uh, I guess like your gauge on how, because it feels like there's so much bad blood between Norman and between Monaghan and you know, it feels yeah, like there's all this bad blood, and and you wonder like, how are these guys going to come together? Yeah, and that's the pol- that's the politics of the whole situation. At the end of the day, I'm just happy to be caddying at a golf tournament, and also, like I said, all like having the team aspect, um, seeing some new courses, and so I'm just loving it right now and living it up. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> I, I really was looking for another word on that one. I was like, oh, no, nah, that's what I you're doing. Another one. So, um, and as far as the politics go, it's just, I'm sitting here watching it play out just like everyone yeah. else. Um, and that's, and that's what it feels a lot, a lot like is even just our own political climate and in the world right now, it's just, uh, as far as, Divi- you know, like divisive and it's just, yeah, everything's just divisive and people are very tribal. And naturally there's going to be people who are like, I'm all live. And then there's going to be people who are like, I'm all PJ tour. And then, and then you just get these different types of fans, but it could be, you know, and I get it. Trust me. Like if everyone wants the best golf competition, then all the tours do need to keep 
stay like come together yeah so that you can see these guys and like i said as long as if you're technically because they are independent contractors and the pga tour from what i understand has basically gotten employees for the price of an independent contractor and that's the way i kind of look at it you know they get they get a lot of benefits not benefits but the pga tour benefits off these players and they're they're a nonprofit, and from what they say is that they're they're there to work for the players but sometimes it looks just like politicians they're there to be public servants and work for us but a lot of times it doesn't feel that way or appear that way um so that's where the the politics of it all is what kind of just gets annoying to read in and out every day and these players are getting asked those questions in the media just like how Cam, uh, Cam Smith right there, like one of the first questions the guy asked him, like really, the guy just won the biggest tournament of his career to date. And this is one of the questions you asked the guy, like have a, I would think that that's a little uncalled for. What, um, speaking of major championships, what do you think the Masters is going to do? What's your read on the Masters? For me, I just don't see why any major, because like I said, you're as a fan, you don't want to see these players divided, right? No. no. And that's a, and these players are based and they're producing a product. These guys are putting on a show, right? Yeah. So why would they want to like dilute their their product? They want to have the best possible product there is. So you're going to tell me that the, they don't want the Dustin Johnsons, the Patrick Reeds, the Sergio Garcia. Like you don't want those guys at your golf tournament. Because then what's because if they don't come in, then who's got who's going to come up? Then it's just down here is coming up. They're just filling it. So you want you want those thoroughbreds in there. And I just don't see why any major would have it be in their interest to just keep anyone out of it. Yeah. That's obviously earned their way on. If you've earned your way on, then you should be allowed to go. Whether it's because you won a major in the past five years or your world ranking is there. I just don't see why it would be in their best interest as far as producing a golf tournament for people to watch and for people to tune into to just ban players just just for the sake of some political situation going on over here between these two tours all right let's talk about Ryder cup i was at the Ryder cup in 2016 on the grounds of hazeltine all three days talk to me about that sunday i followed patrick and rory's group that sunday i was there um honestly i i, I remember number one more vividly than i even remember number eight Part was it eight was the part three, which one was it? Yeah, eight, eight, yeah. eight was the part. I three. remember one yeah. more vividly, partially because I think I had a better view at the time, um, and we were all anticipating the start. Um, but obviously, eight gets all the attention. From your perspective, like, what are the key moments like that in your mind you can see as clear as day that you will just vividly remember as long as you live that that were just electric? And I would even love to know if there was something that has not, that, that really hasn't been publicized that, that happened either leading up to it or during it or after it. Yeah. I mean, as far as Ryder cup matches in history, that definitely going to go down as one of the top ones. And to be a part of that was absolutely incredible. Um, and it all kind of, when it's all said and done, it kind of is like a flash. Yeah. It feels like as you're in it, it feels oh, like sure. it's taking forever. But then when it's over, you're like, Oh, all over um and yeah the, the those first eight holes were electricity yeah in the air i mean and 
if you, and you would know because you were there, like yeah. you can feel it, but also when you are in the center of where it's all directed, that's an incredible feeling. And it's the adrenaline rush of it all is insane. Um, just the fact of like when you're walking through, um, these, you know, between holes and there's this many people on this side of this, and they're all just screaming in this direction. Well, I guess it's just, it is electricity leading up to that. And I'm almost 100% on this story. And this just goes to show you Patrick's, oh, sorry, Patrick's competitive nature. Um, and also wanting to be, you know, a top dog on the team. Uh, like I said, no one wants to be that D player, but also, uh, he went into the captain's room the day before from what I hear, uh, from a couple of decent sources. And he goes, I want Rory tomorrow morning. And so sure enough, the captains go, okay, we'll see if we can make it happen. And they probably, maybe there was something where they said, Hey, like our guy wants your guy. What do you think? First out. And so sure enough, first out. So that's probably something most people don't know that it was, might've been, it might've been, uh, you can't a hundred percent. You've never asked that, Patrick that you haven't asked. Him? <laughs> <laughs> I know that he said he wanted him because we were talking about it, you know, before now, I didn't know if he actually went in the office and said to tiger and, and, um, and Davis, like, I want this guy, but, I'm pretty sure, like I said, I would say 90% sure that that's what he did. Now, how it happened after that, I can't, you know, who knows. But it, to me, it was very convenient that we were first out and he was first out as well. Um, but in a Ryder Cup setting, that's what you want. You want two guys that are going to make some noise and put, put, you know, your color on the board for the rest of the guys that come in and see, you know, get everyone kind of lit up. Um, but, yeah, so you got like a couple holes going and it's just birdie after birdie, matching, matching. I think. Uh, maybe on six. So six, we have like a eight footer for, for birdie and Rory might've had like a 12 footer for birdie or something like that. Maybe 15. So Rory makes his, we make ours and walk into that next tee box. I think there's like a bathroom, but as he's walking, Rory says, Oh, he's, and it was a while back and I don't want to, like totally like messes up but he goes uh the putt wasn't quite as good as mine but it was just good enough as we're going to the next tee box rory so like, said that oh, to patrick yeah i mean it's, this was a little chirp and he yeah. says it but i heard it and i don't even know if Pat, patrick didn't even acknowledge it he just keeps walking you know he's right here and so then we get on the next tee box and you know they both stripe it down the middle. They both hit it close. And then the, the situation flip flops. Right. And, uh, and it's, we're, we're the ones with like the 12 footer, 15 footer. And he had like the six footer, seven footer. And of course they both make another, you know, birdie, you know, both of them. And as we're walking the, and this is right before eight. So then we're walking to eight and it's a good little walk. And I was like, Hey, what'd you say back there about, uh, yeah, our your your putt was good, but not quite as good as ours. And he just looked at me and he goes, he goes, what do they say? And that like this is little stuff. He goes, Oh, he's like, What do they say about um oh imitation is the finest form of flattery, <laughs> is what he said to me. Like, cause I just took his line yeah. and I I wanted to say something about like the gym, like, oh yeah, that's why you've probably been in the gym all day. But I didn't say that. I was like, <laughs> damn. I was, honestly I was like, all right, you got me yeah. there. Uh and then <laughs> just kept going. <laughs> 
so good for him, you know, whatever. And that was a fun exchange because then it leads up to eight. And then, you know, we're sitting at the bottom of this hill and this guy makes a putt that's, you know, forever away. But for some reason, when we're sitting up there at 20, 20 feet, we still like, you never feel like you got it in the bag or that nothing like that could happen. Like this is when that stuff happens. And sure enough, he makes the putt place goes crazy. We had a good read on it. Patrick makes that putt place goes nuts. He gives him the finger wave. Rory slaps him on the back, you know, cause that's at the end of the day, it's, you know, just like you playing with your guys or me yeah. playing with my boys, like yeah. there's going to be some chirping. Yeah. Like there, you know, yeah. there's always, it has to be like, if there's not, I'm probably not having a good time. Right. Let's face facts. So, you know, it was, it was fun. And, and then after that, it was kind of like, they had to have been just so gassed after eight holes that yeah. it was kind of cruise control for about six or seven holes. And then it starts coming down to the wire and we're holding this like one up, two up, and then we get the two up and then 17 par three. I think it's a back left pin. Patrick kind of short sides. It doesn't get it up and down. And then sure enough, it's like, we're one up one to play coming down 18 at the end of the day, as a team goes, if you're having Rory McIlroy, yeah, especially with how where we were in the matches, and at that point you kind of have a feel for like, oh, our team is, should yeah. be able to pull this off, yeah. even if we have him at this point. So yeah. we did our job, like we we kept him from getting a full point, regardless of what happens on this 18th hole. And so we get on 18, both stripe drives, both hit it close again. I mean, that's what it felt like all day. Hit the fairway, they both hit it close. Both always had good looking birdie putts, not too many issues. But it comes down to the point where we have like five feet and he has five feet. And in match play, if we went first and we were further out, he could make us go again. So we wanted to find out who was further out. So who had to go first? At the end of the day, I'm telling Patrick, I go, we, we want to go first. Yeah. You don't want him to have any satisfaction of making a putt and putting any pressure on yeah. you to make a five-footer. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what we want. But we got to make sure they bring out the the string to see who's further out. Okay. That's how close. And I swear it was a quarter's length is how much we were further out. And luckily I lay down on this putt. I see right edge. Patrick says, what do you think? Right edge. I go, perfect. I'm out of here. Makes it. End the story. So, you know, finished, you know, 18 holes, one up and got a full point against them. So, a uh, great match, and we've had a lot of good single matches. And every Ryder Cup I think we've played in, we've had a good singles match. Henrik Stenson the first year was a good one, and that's where Patrick did the shush on the seventh hole, I believe. Uh, and I remember, you know, that was fun. Yeah. Um, and that was my first year. So, and then 16 is like my third year out there. So, still pretty fresh. Like, yeah. So I, I was so charged up after Hazeltine that me and Pat, my co-host Pat, were like, we have to get to Paris. We have to. We have to go to Paris. So we started planning to go to Paris, and we went to Paris. We were one of, you know, some of the few American fans out there in Paris, and it was, as you know, not bueno. It was terrible. <laughs> the whole thing was, uh, was pretty rough. I got it. Uh, there was controversy with Patrick, all right, right? Like, what happened in, in that whole thing? Because, like, that was the year you know, that I was, we were all expecting like, we're, we're Captain America's back. I mean, I'm, we made these yeah. shirts for Paris. Um, and then there was issues and there was not only issues on the course, there were issues off the, off the course. It sounded like, at least that was the rumor, right? Yeah. Um, 
as far as the off the course stuff, I think all that kind of happened afterwards, which I feel like I was like, well, Jim Furyk was already kind of getting roasted for, you know, yes, he was. not winning. And yeah, I mean, he was like from critics. I'm not saying yeah. I'm, you know, I've never been a cabin rider cup, so I don't like to throw <laughs> judgment out there because it's not like, I, ca- I don't even want to captain my friend's Ryder Cup because there's like, to me, I'm like, that's a lot of pressure on me. He's got, you know, so I can't imagine the toll that it could take uh, being a captain of an actual Ryder Cup. But they were already roasting him. And so I felt like there probably is really no reason to go jump in that fire with him. Um, and that's why I feel like the, dra- that the drama would come in later afterwards uh as far as that goes and you live and you learn i mean you got to think i've done plenty of things in my mid-20s early 20s where if i could go back and change it i would and i don't think there's anyone if anyone says they've lived in in their life that they didn't do something they regret especially in their younger years then they're they're freaking lying because i could tell i literally we don't got enough time on this podcast for the stuff that i could go back and change um so, you know, hell, I've done stuff on of, this podcast. I wish I could go back and change the <laughs> live. I'm sure it's on you know the internet. I'm, um, yeah. Well, uh, speaking of so, that, you punched no, a guy I'm, at a president's cuff. I want to hear about that. I think that's uh, a, that's allegedly, allegedly, punched allegedly. A guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what that that's going to I feel like I'm going to have to put that on my gravestone because there's times <laughs> where I've been places and someone's like, I know who you are. You're that guy that punched that dude. I go, Oh yeah. My name is Kessler yeah. for one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and two, you know, so I'm literally, I think all my grace. Here lies that Kessler. Guy that punched some guy. Yeah. yeah. That guy. Why that did you, some guy why did you Australia. allegedly, why did you, what was he saying or doing that you allegedly punched him? Man. So it's one of those, <laughs> and you've been, you've been a Hazeltine Ryder cup. Uh, yep. and so I've you been know, to, I've been to Paris Ryder cup and been an American yeah. fan. And let me just tell you, not, like, not, not easy. Not it's easy. not easy being in, in foreign territory. Right. No. Uh, and, um, and that's kind of the home field advantage aspect of it. Right. Yeah. So it's just three days and I don't care who you are and I don't care, you know, when three days, a guy's just trashing you and talking, you know, mad shit, just constantly, constantly just this. And, that's the thing. Some people even later said, Oh, I know. And these are people that probably maybe are going to discipline me later or whatever, you know, and I don't hold any grudges against anyone. Everyone's just doing their job yeah. at the end of the day. Like I knew like if I got a suspension, like, cool, take it. Like I did something stupid. Uh, and that's my biggest regret is that like, after I did something, uh, with my altercation is that like players, from the team had to go into a press conference and And actually talk about something I did like, that's terrible. Like this is a big moment for them. And now they got to ask just like how, you know, Cam Smith with the British open, like this guy's going to ask him this dumb question about, and like I did something that was basically selfish. And now my team, like basically what I, who I consider my teammates. Cause like I said, I'm a team person, whether I'm a caddy or a golfer, now they have to sit here and answer for something that I did that they had nothing to do with. Like that was, that's the part I don't feel bad for the person or any of that. I feel bad for my teammates. I feel bad for tiger as a captain that he had to go to a press conference and talk about something that I did. Um, those, that's what really actually, if anything upset me the most, um, in that scenario, but, uh, they, you know, so three days of just guys just bashing you. And then at the, at the end of the day, people can get really close to you 
in golf, especially yeah. in Ryder yeah. Cups, because you're walking around, you're following other people, and Patrick and I are just trying to follow. I think it might have been Tony or somebody playing. And so we're not even playing. And this guy obviously really, I mean, he was double fisting beers. Uh, <laughs> so who knows how, how intoxicated he might have been. or And he just was saying some kind of uh, vulgar, aggressive stuff and got a little bit too close. And I basically got involved. And then before you know it, it blows up because some media guy, which someone said I pushed him with a closed fist. Now, I've never pushed anyone with a closed fist. I've pushed people, but I've never pushed someone with a closed fist. So uh, I don't know where he got that that vision or whatever, that visual, that, but it doesn't make sense to me, and it's not me. Like, if my fist is closed, then yes, I am going to punch you. Uh, but I did not punch him. and. It just blew up into this whole story. And like I said, at the end of the day, it wasn't it wasn't my best moment. And you live and you learn. I got suspended. I didn't get the caddy on that Sunday. I couldn't even go to the golf course. I, you know, I couldn't sit in the clubhouse. So when my team could, you know, and congratulate my team if they, you know, pulled it off. Uh, and it. so I sat at the hotel and watched it just like everyone, everyone else. Look, man, I, I've, been, um, I've been kicked out twice of a church league basketball game, and they they made me leave. <laughs> they made me leave the gym. I totally, I totally understand. I could even stay and watch. It's it, sure it's exactly yeah. the same thing. Um, yeah, but it was actually it all worked out because um, some people would ask me like, "So what do you think?" And I said, "Bet the house on Patrick tomorrow." Not literally, <laughs> but like I go, whoever he plays tomorrow is going to just it's going to be a total they're gonna, buzzsaw. They're gonna and he it. was six up through seven holes. Yes. that next day so it was and i love ct pan uh actually he's a member at wood forest which that's what this hat is oh, nice. Wofo. so we're members together so it's kind of funny with that history uh but it's not like i had to cat it's not like i caddied yeah. against him that sunday yeah. that he got beat by patrick but um and then we and then tiger in true tiger fashion as a captain even as a captain pulls it off like when you know because we were down and out like this was the internationals chance yeah that's true to like finally get one and then sunday they finish so i'm sitting at the hotel i'm celebrating it was kind of overall and in hindsight it was a cool experience to not be there and to have to watch it like everyone else yeah. and see it that way and so i saw that morning though i saw everyone out because i couldn't go so i you know saw all the players said hey go you know and woke up and then I just kind of did what I do. I go to the gym. I ran, I probably ran like 12 miles that day because I just didn't want, like, I'm just yeah. listening to everything and watching it on the TV and had nothing to do, but that. And then I, I greeted them when they all came back. Of course, Patrick comes out with the trophy, hugs me that, you know, love you, bro. Love you too. Um, Tiger comes out, hugs me. Love you, bro. I'm pretty sure he might've been, had a couple drinks in him, but <laughs> yeah, that happened. Hugs me. And then hands, and then they hand me the trophy, and then they go, "Yeah, you just hold on to this until the 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 party afterwards." And I was like, "I don't want this responsibility. <laughs> Do you, I, like, I don't want this. I don't want this trophy right now." You mean I got to I got to watch this thing for an hour and a half? If anything, I was super stressed <laughs> out about it. And so then I take it up to the caddy area, and all the caddies are like. And that's where uh, you get Austin Kaiser doing his dance around it. I don't know if you ever saw that video, but it's a really good one. Um, and so he's doing a, a fun dance around it. But, you know, basically the caddy's got the trophy for about an hour and a half before the party. And, of course, I'm like the worried mother that I'm like, 
something bad's going to happen. And then, and then that's just another thing. Patrick Reed's caddy breaks trophy or loses trophy or something. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I'm think, never going to live this down. Do you think had you not allegedly uh, punched the guy and, and gotten, had to sit in the suspension and you weren't greeting the guys getting out of the car at the hotel, do you think you would have gotten the same hug and I love you, man, from Tiger? Because if, um, if not, then it was totally worth it. Oh, you know what? You know what? Pro- I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's not as totally it, are, it happened. It, it it happened. It's not like I can go back in time and change that. But, you know, that it was, it all worked out and it was fun. But like I said, my biggest regret was that guys had to actually go to a press conference and talk yeah. about some caddy doing something stupid. Well, that's, res- uh, that's respectable, and, man. Like, I respect that just hearing you say that. I mean, and you get pushed to the limit by a drunk fan and you've been dealing with it for days. I don't. Whatever, dude. Like, yeah. like you and, said earlier, we all we all do things we regret. Yeah. And you know, and then you also just think about your, like you think about your peers. Like, well, what are, what are the other caddies going to think about it? Like, what yeah. do they say? And then, sure enough, I I come back and like you know, first week of the season, a lot of guys go, "Hey, man, I totally get it." Because honestly, if you've been in this long enough, we've all seen a drunk guy yeah. that goes too far. Yeah, and you 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 want to do something but you know you can't you're not you're not supposed to no if i'm out there so, as a fan uh, and i just hear a guy say mashed potatoes i want to punch him drunk or not i don't care what he says i hate that shit. i hate that shit i don't know how you i can't I, I you know put up you, with it either yeah i mean everyone every, you know it it is what it is and it's not it's not the worst thing in the world i think this so patrick's obviously like he's a polarizing guy uh, you know that he knows that i'm sure what would you say to haters out there? Like, what would you tell them about Patrick that would probably contradict their judgments oh, on him? That that's easy. Um, as far as being a caddy for Patrick, he treats me better than. I mean, that's the thing. You'll see some players out there that treat their caddies not so not so well. Um, yeah, and heard of those. to me, that's that. Yeah, and that's. That's like a character thing, if you ask me, that uh, even if I like the guy and then I hear something about him being really mean to his caddy, I, he loses points in my book. Um, since day one, he's always taken care of me uh, and always been really good to me and also never really blamed me for anything that I didn't blame myself for already, if that makes sense. like it, We're both hold each other accountable in the right, right aspect as far as work goes. Um, so he's extremely good in that aspect and i'll tell you this much everyone i've if i had a nickel every time we did a pro-am and the pro-am guy said that was one of the best pro-ams i've ever done i would have like a sock full of nickels to maybe you know <laughs> i don't know what you do with that slap, but... <laughs> to hit a hate hit a hate, hater over the yeah, head with, yeah. you know i don't know yeah. but it, it it'd be surprising so i would say ask anyone before you ever made any one I don't like after seeing how the media works over the years and a lot in a lot of different ways, not only in the golf world, but just in the world in general, I am almost always skeptical of anything. And I always want to meet the person and actually have that one-on-one experience before I ever really pass a whole lot of judgment, unless there's something just ultimately damning. Um, and, but I would say, ask anyone who's ever played around a golf with them, ask anyone who's ever done a pro-am with them. And if they have something bad to say, I would be very surprised because in some of those programs, he never mails it in to use your phrase early. He never yeah, yeah. mails in a program. And let me tell you this. I mail in programs all the time. It's miserable. Sometimes it's five hours of watching guys hack it around. And, yeah. and sometimes you meet, I've met a lot of good friends over the years through these programs, but for the majority of them, they're not the most 
fun thing for someone to do, especially when you're trying to win a golf tournament that weekend. And he, and I've never seen him mail one in, even the ones that last almost six hours, the guys he's engaging, he has a good time with them. And a lot of them we've seen pick him because they, they have the pick parties, right? Yeah. They've picked them multiple times and I'm sorry, but you don't pick a guy multiple times because nah. you, you didn't have fun with him. Um, well, and he'll, yeah, that's just what I would say to him. That's so, all right. So we've talked about some mistakes we've all made, you know, and, and, uh, and that certainly happens. Do you think there are things that he's done or said in the public eye that he wishes if he had a chance to go back and do it over that he could do different? Oh, I imagine I, I would. Has he shared any with say, you, I yeah. guess, is what? Uh, what would he say? Not that, not, not that come to mind that he, like, that he would say that he would change to this or that. But, I mean, that's, this is the thing. Like, something happens or after a really good round or a really bad round. And the first thing you, you got is someone with a microphone in your face saying, hey, let me hear your thoughts. Well, at that point, like, you know, between all the things going on in the round and what, you know, this is a maddening game. Yeah. Like, I mean, so stick a microphone in front of my face after a bad day, like for me shooting, whatever, losing some money on the golf course. And I, who knows what I'm accountable for saying. So and that's one of those other things, like, like I said, if, if there's something you wouldn't have said differently to the media afterwards, uh, in your past, then, and you're a golfer, you're probably delusional. <laughs> yeah. Who are, so, uh, now I don't know what he would have changed differently. Now would, you know, there were probably moments where I'm like, ah, maybe should have went this route instead of that route. Uh, but that's, that's the media game and that's a whole nother game than the game of golf. Yeah. And some of those guys play it perfectly. And to me, the the world of golf and the and you know the way they want it they want like a tv personality that can also play really good golf and this is also a sport and some people are just really want to play good golf they don't want to be a tv personality they don't want to be you know that's just how it is and not and it's not a mold that everyone can fit that and they're trying to basically and that's what you're kind of forced to do you're forced to play a game that you that no one really prepares you for in sports in general. If you ask me like these guys basically for most of their life, grow up playing good golf and they get to a point where they're a professional golfer. And then all of a sudden you start having success. And then there's this whole other game that you haven't been playing. And that's the media game. And luckily for you, like I'm happy that guys like you, Oh, sorry. Are succeed are very successful. You know, this is kind of like, 15 years ago, if you said, oh yeah, a guy's going to have a podcast and it's going to be super successful. <laughs> the, the golf channel would be like, this that's is, mine yet, they but... probably even, even 10 years ago, the golf channel was like, yeah, this is never going to work. This is never going to take off. Yeah. And now, now y'all are probably like podcasts are like probably are consumed way more than people watching the golf channel. Yeah. And I, that's another reason why I think live golf will be successful because People always, oh, it's never going to work. And I'm like, yeah, people, you know, people who went to Blockbuster said that about Netflix. <laughs> people who said that, you know, people who said that about, uh, you know, podcast and, you know, the PJ memes guys and you and, you know, all those, all those different aspects of the game. And now y'all, y'all all crush it. So that's kind of where I met with it. And that's, that's what I would say is uh, how I feel. Who are who are some of the guys like either on the PJ tour or Live Tour that are like some of his some of Patrick's like buddies that he likes to play with, that he likes to hang out with, off the course, all that stuff? 
Alberto, pretty solo career. He really is, as far as practice rounds go, he will practice like Harold Varner. I don't think you can never not have a good time practicing with Harold Varner. The problem with that is for Patrick is that maybe some work isn't getting done in that practice round that might need to get done. Um, and so he really does try to focus when, you know, when we're there for that six and a half to seven hour block of time, it's like, Hey, let's, let's get to work and let's stay, let's get it done. Um, but obviously, you know, that's why him and DJ are teammates. Uh, and that's why, you know, they be, you know, aces and everything I think is going to mesh really well, but he really likes practicing with, uh, DJ here and there talking to him, hanging out with him. Uh, he, you know, Pat Perez, a few times we've been around. I mean, you can't not have a good time with that guy. Uh, Harold Varner, um, Will McGirt, you know, uh, even though he's kind of had some injuries and stuff, so I haven't been able to see him. Jerry Kelly back in the day was a guy that Patrick loved. And, you know, when he was young, he needed some of those older guys yeah. uh, to kind of, men- you know, that's the thing. Those guys have been in the game forever, and he was coming up, so he learned a lot from him. Uh, Bubba, they talk all the time. Um, Definitely for, you know, a couple of years there, uh, a lot of like some practice rounds with Tiger. I remember the first practice round I had with Tiger was my first British Open in 2014. We showed up early and this was, I think, my first experience. And sure enough, he busted my balls about there was like a piece of wrought iron. And obviously these guys are hitting two irons, so they're low. It was coming up and it was only like 15 yards ahead of the tee box. I didn't notice this thing at all. And it's 2014. I don't even know what Lynx golf is really yeah, yeah. at that point. Like this is the first tee and, you know, but practice round with him. And I think that especially 2014, we played with him there and we played with him at hero and Patrick shot like six under through nine. So I think he put a pretty good impression on tiger early on. So there was a lot of good, I have a lot of good experiences with tiger over the years, as far as practice rounds and, uh, a couple of times we got to play with him. It felt like for a while there, we played with him quite a bit. Uh, and then there's, there's a lot of guys, um, Matthew Wolf, him and Matthew Wolf get along. So there's a couple more, but he's just a very, even if you ask them, like when people ask him, Hey, you want to go play this practice round? If it works in his schedule, he's sure. But he's really just, he's very in tune with what he wants to achieve that day. And that's his goal every day. The socializing part, you know, when that comes, it's great, but he's, he's just a workaholic, man. No one grinds more. Like I grind hard because I've seen how, how, yeah how hard he goes after it. Like I was like, Oh, that's what it takes to get better. Like you can't, you can't just expect it to come because you watch a YouTube video and like, Oh yeah, it'll come. It'll come to me in the fairway when I get there and see it up with no, with no warm up. What's, so, uh, what's his what's his experience been like at Augusta national since he's won and like how often does he come back and how have you benefited from him being a master's champion? I woke up for like three weeks, just always thinking like, I don't think that happened. You know, it's like a dream. Uh, and sure enough, it just, Oh, it did happen. Oh, it did happen. Uh, I can't, I mean, I still can't believe it to this day. It's by far between that and Hazel It might be the two biggest things, like biggest tournaments yeah. ever. Uh, and he, he loves being back there. It's funny. He struggled there for four years playing. Like, I think we had two miscuts and like two mediocre finishes and then he goes and wins it. And I think that he finally got comfortable and who knows what it was, that, but it just all clicked and coming back every time he loves going. I don't think he goes back enough. Um, I've been trying to get him like, Hey, let's go play. Uh, but really 
especially with the schedule that we had 30 plus weeks a year when we're home, it's like, do we really want to go out there? But if he called me and said, let's go tomorrow, I'm packing my stuff. So how many times tomorrow. have you played since he's won? How often do you get to play? I, I played one time. One time? Yeah, but hey, one time's more than, than most people will their entire life. Dude, that's not enough, man. That's not enough. I know. You, you, you guys got to. It's not, but hear me out. The time I did get to play was the Sunday in 2019 before Tiger won. Mm, mm, mm. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, and Patrick was the one who put that jacket on Tiger, so that's pretty cool. So he loved that moment. Like yeah. that, you know, yeah. like the year after you won, like, you, you know, you're the guy who gets to throw it on his, on his uh, shoulders. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and also after that though, COVID happened. So no one was able. So the tradition is the Sunday before past champions get to bring one guest without being accompanied and they can play as much as they want that day. So that's how I got in on 19 and then 20 COVID happened. So that's not, that's not going down that November one. And then even the one right after that, it wasn't really something that you could do. Yeah. So really 20, this last one would, would have been the one on Sunday. And I think he had something going on and I had something going on too, to where it wasn't going to happen. But I really want to go back at some point now that what the hell did you guys have going on? What, what, what? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, that's a really good question. I might have asked, everyone like, listen to I this. My, everyone listen to this was just like, yeah, they're like, Augusta Nash, what did he have sorry, going on? Your Sunday round with the boys <laughs> is going to have to just be canceled. Guess what? Oh, um, he also goes the week before for like two or three days in practices so he he probably just didn't want to go like he got home probably friday and then he's like do i really want to just come home for a day and then turn around on sunday just so that kessler can play 18 holes like he wants to watch me hack it around for 18 around there i don't think can he can Um, he not go can he not go anytime he wants or he has to see oh oh, he he can he can go but if he takes me there has to be a member on site that basically is like your your sponsor. So that's how that works. So that's another reason. It's like that's cool, but you know, if anything, I don't see him wanting to be like, oh, I want to go by myself. Uh, which I know it's pretty reasonable if he did want to take me. Uh I have my birthday coming up in January twenty first. So if Patrick listens to this, you know, <laughs> that would be a good birthday gift to just take me out to Augusta to play, you know, come like maybe a month afterwards. I don't want to play in January. You like play, play it like maybe late. Like late February. Well, let's maybe even early March would probably still be. Yeah, March. Yeah, February. You know, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna if you're gonna burn your birthday gift, better do it right. We can still uh, have primo conditions. We can still have some cold days here in Augusta in February. Um, Yeah. Um, What you're you're a member out at? uh, What's it called? Champions Retreat. Yeah, Champions Retreat. I like that place. It looks really really nice. I've only I've only seen the range and oh, yeah. a couple holes that you can see from the range, but we'll have to get out there and see it up at some point. 100%. Yep. Come on. It, it'll be uh be my pleasure. Uh Kessler it was good talking to you. We appreciate you coming on the Tour Junkies podcast. Likewise. You crushed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And uh time. you know, I know my background's good, but your background's pretty solid too. 